Our New Testament reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I don't know about you, but um, I've said it before and I'll have to say it again. I, I must come to worship. I must hear the songs of Zion. I must hear the prayers that are prayed. I must hear the messages to children and the word proclaimed. I must come to worship because Monday through Saturday, I, like many of you, am bombarded by words, words that sound good, words that are painful to hear, words that are not true. I'm being bombarded by words. And when I come to worship, my mind and my heart become settled. Settled in the truth of God's word. And Evangel Heights family and friends, I am mindful like you are that sometimes God's word has not rightly been divided. That God's word has been used by the oppressor to oppress, by the abuser to abuse. In the 21st century, we are called to rethink what we believe we know regarding who God is and what God is calling us to do and be. That's why I must come to worship. I must come to worship whereby I can have that encounter with the awesome living God, not the God who mankind, humankind has created in his or her own image, the God who serves as a spiritual puppet to do whatever humankind wants to do. No, I must come to worship the awesome living God who's been revealed by Jesus Christ, not a Jesus Christ who will support anything and everything, no, but the Jesus Christ of the Gospels. To Jesus Christ, who, as Minister Becky said in his inaugural address, said to everyone, I've come to set the captives free. I, I've come to heal. I've come to bring deliverance. I must come to worship. And so, loving God, now as we prepare to break your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be pleasing to you. Oh, God, as we begin this Lenten season, do your work that only you can do in the minds and hearts of your people. 
Help us. Help us to long for and desire to be the people who you're calling us to be as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of the Gospels. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, the Lenten season has begun, and many of you will join me on this coming Tuesday and Wednesday for a Lenten fast. In addition to whatever you may petition God for, please join me in petitioning God that we will become more outwardly focused as individual followers of Jesus Christ and that we will become more outwardly focused as the body of Christ known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church. One of the gifts of the pandemic is that it has reminded us that the church is not the building, but the church is the people of God who accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And this church is called to continue to be that mighty, marvelous witness. God, keeper of promises. Thank you, Minister Becky. For a minute, I thought you read my notes, but okay. (laughs) Whenever you see a rainbow, what comes to your mind? Calmness, peace, hope. I was talking to a, a friend of mine not too long ago who's just undergoing some personal challenges, and she's been praying about a particular situation. And she said, you know, I looked out of my window one day, and by the way, she was in a very, in a very warm climate. And uh, she said, I looked out of my window and there was one rainbow. And then I looked in another direction. There was another rainbow. And then I looked in another direction and there was a third rainbow. And to her, when she saw the rainbow, what she experienced was peace. What, do, what comes to your mind whenever you see a rainbow? In a time when promises are broken, it is comforting to know that the God who has been revealed through Jesus Christ of the Gospels is a God who keeps God's covenant, God's promises, God's commitments. In the Old Testament, covenants are sworn agreements either among human beings or between God and people. Covenants are different from contracts Contracts are legal agreements and certified by witnesses and enforced by law. The covenants have two basic elements, the promissory oath and the contents of the stipulation. Most covenants, again, are between two unequal partners, both of whom swear to the stipulations. The covenant in Genesis, Genesis chapter 9, It's distinctive in two ways. First of all, it is made between God and all future generations and not just with Israel. Secondly, it is made not only with human beings, but also with all creatures of the earth. Its scope is broad, cosmic, universal. And thirdly, only one party to the agreement, God, speaks. Have you noticed that Noah is silent? Have you noticed that Noah's children are silent? No response on the part of Noah and his sons is called for or given. You see, God has entered into this covenant. God has taken the initiative with this covenant. Listen to this description of this man who God enters into a covenant with, this man named Noah. 
Listen to this description that is found in Genesis chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. These are the descendants of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Wow. Isn't that something that we want to strive towards? That someone can say about you and about me that we are righteous people, blameless, that we too walk with God? In the Genesis text, we see what plans God does have for God's new creation, a new creation after the flood. This flood, you may recall, was God's response to a rebellious and sinful humankind. Let me just say something to you about sin and about rebellion against God. There are some people who believe they can get away with it because, after all, once they commit the rebellious act, they don't see any consequences. But I recall a wise preacher saying many, many, many years ago that the consequences may come later than you think. It may be more than you think. And it may be more devastating than you can even imagine. Whatever the action is, there will always be consequences. And when one is rebellious against God, there will be consequences. It may not come the day that you committed the rebellion, but they will come. So the flood was God's action in response to a rebellious and sinful humankind recorded in chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Verse 8, but, but Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. Hmm. Some biblical writers take the view that the relationship that God had between, uh, that God had with humanity was a natural relationship established at the time of creation. But God's plans for this new creation is to enter into a covenantal relationship. Those are God's plans. No longer a natural relationship, but a covenantal relationship. And again, covenants established relationships where, where there was no relationship before. In this case, God enters into a covenantal relationship with humankind. A fresh relationship. A new relationship, rather. The promise of solemn commitment is made to Noah, to his sons, to his descendants, and thus to all of us. Our God truly is, as Minister Becky said, a God who keeps God's promises. And this, this covenant is referred to as the Noah covenant. And for those of you who will study covenants, you know and I know that there are other covenants that, that God has entered into. And, and God says in God's word, you know, to, so that I will remember, not that God ever forgets, but so that I will remember this covenant, I'm going to place a rainbow in the sky, a bow that was used for judgment will now be a bow of peace. 
and divine goodwill toward the creation. This bowl serves as an important sign of God's ongoing deep commitment to life, to all creation. Yeah, this God, this God who entered into this covenant with Noah is a God who keeps God's promises. I don't care what you are going through. Whatever God has promised you, it will come to pass. Put away the clock. Put away the timepiece. Wait on God to complete God's promise to you. Wait on God to fulfill God's promises to you. Young people, wait on God to fulfill God's promises to you. Well, this is not the only covenant, as I said earlier, that God has entered into with humankind. No, no. Today, I am so thankful that you and I have more than a rainbow to remind us that our God is a God who keeps promises, that our God is a covenant keeper. There is a new covenant that God entered into with humanity, a new covenant made possible by the mediator, Jesus Christ. Peter reminds us that Jesus Christ came to earth and Jesus Christ's death was sacrificial and atoning for the sins of humankind. This Jesus Christ just suffered, died for sinners in order to bring sinners into a reconciling relationship with God. This Jesus Christ who's now resurrected, is, in the, is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Ha. Yes, God is. God is. A God who has offered us a new covenant through the mediator of Jesus Christ. And yet, for some of us today, we recognize that even though we have this relationship, life is not perfect right now. There are those of you who are listening to me today who are going through challenges and difficulties. You're suffering. You're asking the question, what's going on? Well, what we know is that in this life, we will have trials and tribulations. And yet Jesus Christ has said to us, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Jesus Christ, who is our model, not only the mediator between God and us with this new covenant, but he's also our model. And Peter reminds us that, yes, even while he was on, light, on earth, he too suffered. Yes, although he suffered in his silence and even in the spoken word, when he came up against powers that were oppressive, he spoke 
This particular text, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses um, 18 through 22, has been used at times by the oppressor to oppress the oppressed even more. Notice Peter says to to the people, if you suffer, um, suffer calmly. Suffer, and let pastor not uh, paraphrase this. He says, when you suffer... Um, suffer as those who are of good intent. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll read it as it is printed. Beginning with verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. In which also, I'm sorry, he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will. I'm mindful, especially during this month that is uh, observed as Black History Month, when this particular text was used by slave owners to tell slaves, just be quiet, just suffer. This is God's will for you. But in the 21st century, what we know, and especially in the 20th and 21st century, is that people who find themselves in oppressed situations Follow the model of Jesus Christ. Yes, he suffered, but he also spoke to the powers that be. He was not silent. He spoke words that would convict and words that would convince. In the 20th century, we saw Martin Luther King Jr. doing the same thing. Yes, he was a proponent of nonviolence. And yet at the same time, he spoke to the powers that would attempt to continue to oppress people. And even in the 21st century, as we look at the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, peaceful protesters, I'm not dealing with violence that took place, I'm talking about peaceful protesting that has been recorded by members of the Black Lives Movement who spoke up and continued to speak up against powers that be that would oppress others. Yes, our God is a God who keeps promises. And so the promise that he has made to us through Jesus Christ is that he will be with us in all things through Jesus Christ. We know that we have this covenant and this covenant is a sign that God will be with us 
God will protect us and provide for us, even in the midst of life's struggles. Let us pray. Loving and gracious Lord, our God, we give you thanks for being a covenant keeper, and we thank you for sending us, for blessing us with a new covenant, a new covenant made possible through the mediator, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, who suffered, who died for our sins and the sins of all humanity, Jesus Christ, who you resurrected and who now sits at your right hand. We thank you for being a covenant keeper. May we go forth trusting you to lead us and to guide us in every area of our lives, in every path that we take. Amen.